Hello and welcome to Logical, wherever you are listening. It's the regular weekly podcast from Dubai-based law firm HPL Yamalava and Plethka. Still the Gulf region's first and only legal podcast. I'm Tim Elliott with the managing partner, Ludmilla Yamalava. Good to see you. Excellent to see you too, Tim. Thank you for coming. Logical is a weekly chance to consider legal questions particular to the UAE. Of course, you're always welcome to get in touch. Uh, if you want a legal answer to something that's bothering you, that's Emirates-centric, the best way to find us is via lylawyers.com. Now, in this edition, property and the new law on service charges, more specifically the new Common Properties Law number 6 of 2019 here in Dubai. Ludmilla, first of all, let's just run through uh, an overview of the new law. Okay, so this is the law that in particular applies to the Emirate of Dubai. Uh, And this is the law that was issued in September of this year. So in particular, September 24th of 2019. Uh, And the law uh, relates to common to management and of common uh, properties or jointly owned properties. Uh, The law specifically replaces a previous uh, law that was um, uh, in existence since 2007. Uh, which was called law number 27 of 2007 regarding jointly owned properties. Uh, So that law had been on the books until the introduction of this law. Now, with this new law, uh, which is uh, in the, 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 I guess the formal title is Common Properties Law number 6 of 2019, uh, this law now fully replaces the previous law and um, it will become effective as of January 2020. So who does the law apply to specifically? Specifically, the law applies to all forms of jointly owned properties. Uh, now, uh, for, for Dubai or in the UAE in general, but for Dubai in particular, what that means is that it applies to majority of the real estate market. And in particular, real estate that is freehold, and that is where expats are, have the right to own properties. Most of the freehold communities were developed in such a way where they um, there's always some kind of a common element to them, be it, for example, a community uh, where you have common pool and common uh, gym and gardens and roads and such, uh, or it could be apartment complexes, uh, or it could just be a building. Uh, so in the building, just if, even if it's a standalone building, there are a number of common uh, common uh, properties and facilities that are owned by, uh, I guess, no, no, nobody in particular, and therefore would be jointly owned. Uh, so for Dubai, this means the majority of the real estate market, and in particular, any all the obviously all the uh, the owners of real estate um, where um, that are include there. Located in a community of one type or another, uh, even if it's not a gated community, and there are a number of uh, neighborhoods like that in in Dubai, uh, even in those communities, you have certain regulations that apply to particular community. For example, meadows, lakes, yeah, and uh, even if they're not fully uh, gated, you have the roads that are common, you have common facilities and such. So, any basically real estate that has some common element to it is now subject to this law. Which means it affects a great number of people living in the UAE. So let's let's drill down slightly. What does Common Properties Law Number Six set out, and what does the law demand? Well, in relevant terms, there are three. We can break it down to three specific provisions that it 
not so much introduces, but clarifies. Uh, but most of them were carried over from the previous law, and they were now either amended or perhaps uh, revamped. Uh, so one is the law establishes a managing body, uh, which is in charge of maintaining and managing jointly owned properties and collecting service charges, amongst other things. So that's called the managing body. So that's one concept. The other one is that also uh, establishes what's called the owner's um, uh, committee. And that's away from the owner's association. Uh, or the, and it's, So it's called the owner's committee. It's, it's more akin to... Uh, to a board uh, of uh, the own association. Uh, so the owner's committee is, is the body that has the authority to kind of manage common property and oversee certain actions of the managing body. So one concept is the managing body. The other one is the owner's committee. And then third concept that is um, clearly spelled out in this law is uh, regarding service charges. And that is how the service charges are to be collected, how they're calculated, uh, and how they are regulated. Uh, now, the issue of service charges existed in the previous law, and same with the owner's uh, association, that the concepts were addressed in the previous laws. But here, the law specifically replaces owner's associations uh, with what's called the, uh, the owner's committee. And the concept of the managing body is um, a new concept. So those are the three, effectively, the three important um, announcements and three important elements that the law establishes. And once again, it's the managing body, owner's committee, and service charges. Can I just clarify something? I'm looking at the law here. The Dubai Land Department will prepare a register for all jointly owned real estate properties in the Emirates. So that register will have all the information with regards to the land owned by developers, real estate units meant for independent ownership. It will also have the names of the owners, members of the committee of owners, building management charts, maintenance procedures in accordance with the laws and regulations of the land department. So that is a law that demands transparency, in terms of shared management costs, who the facility management company responsible for managing those common areas is, and in terms of information about the developers and operators of the project. So that information will be, uh, I guess, gathered and managed by the DLD, the Dubai Land Department. I mean, that's the theory of it, and that's the goal. Uh, under the previous law, uh, again, all the jointly owned properties were managed by, or at least were under supervision of the Land Department and RERA, being the real estate okay. regulatory uh, authority. Uh, and so in that in that way, there isn't... Um, so there, there, will, there will be continuation of... Um, supervision by the same authorities. Uh, with regards to the register, uh, the registry of all the co commonly owned properties, um, that uh, in, in fact would be a new development. Um, in the past, REAR and the Land Department, they, uh, at least in theory, um, had uh, their own internal records and database of all the commonly owned properties, and that was part of um, keeping a registry or uh, keeping a database base of all the home associations. Um, so those files or that information would have been resident with uh, the with the RERA or DLD at the time. Uh, now, with the introduction of this law, the expectation is that now that database, whatever the database, um, perhaps there was previously was an internal database, will now be at least to some extent shared with the public. Uh, so it will be some kind of a publicly available 
a registry of jointly owned properties uh, with certain level of details available to the public and um, uh, based on the law there's some indication that the information that will become available to the public is, for example, the, the names of the owner's committee uh, and the name of the management body and uh, the service charges uh, that um, uh, they're attached to a particular property. And in theory, that information would be helpful for any prospective investors and prospective owners uh, because they will have access uh, to not just that one property, but to all of the properties that are registered in this database and therefore will have a better perspective of the real estate market and perhaps a, a better benchmark for their own comparative analysis in terms of um, investment. Let me just point to service charges for a moment. The law effectively means that property developers are effectively barred from collecting service charges from property owners. Yes. So, so now with the introduction of this new law, uh, there will be a, a new system. And that, in fact, that system is already at least partially available to the public, and it's called the MOLAC system. And this is, uh, at least as of now, the system that's uh, available through an app uh, that is once again uh, under supervision of RERA and the land department. And so it's through this MOLAC system that all the jointly owned property communities will now have their own, uh, their own uh, MOLAC system or MOLAC account uh, where uh, all the service charges for the community and individual uh, units will be available and all the invoicing and presumably payment will also be done through this MOLAC system. And because this MOLAC system will be uh, will be under the supervision of RERA uh, versus the developer, at least in theory, it gives the owner some assurances of neutrality or objectivity uh, and also control of the service charges because one of the complaints over the years has been is that the developers are the ones that have been collecting the service charges and owners have had very little accountability as to how those service charges were, uh, were spent. Although, even under the previous law and, and practice, all the service charges had to be approved by RERA, and RERA would issue a notification for every project as to what those charges were. And so, therefore, there was some control and, and some visibility to the owners and the investors as to what um, legally the developers were allowed to charge in terms of the service charges. But... Um, uh, the fact still remained that developers were the ones who were collecting those service charges and depositing them into their own accounts. And how um, they were spent, uh, the owners and the owner associations never had visibility to, and often many of the communities didn't even get accounting or audits uh, from the developers as to, uh, as to the spending of the service charges. So this is a big improvement into, for, the, for the system, and, and since it will be managed and supervised by a government authority, the presumption is that it will be better controlled and it will be more transparent and will allow owners um, uh, better visibility and control of um, what uh, the service charges are and how they're being spent. Interestingly enough, and this is quite critical uh, for uh, for many, many owners um, in Dubai will find this a a huge improvement uh, in, in the law, and that is there's a specific provision in the law, in this new law, that now expressly disallows 
for any party that collects the service charges uh, and or has any kind of control over the community, uh, be it the developer or the management body or anyone else, uh, to deny or to um, uh, to cut any services of the owners. Uh, to the property on account of service charges either not being paid or paying, being paid late. So in the past, and this has caused a lot of grievances in the communities, that uh, some owners would, for example, withhold payment of service charges, perhaps because they were unhappy with how certain parts or elements of the property were managed, or perhaps because um, the, they, uh, the audited accounts at which they were expecting to see from the developers were never presented to them, or uh, for whatever other reason, and in many cases the owners believe that they had legitimate reasons to withhold uh, payments of the service charges. So in that case, or in the past, the developers would cut services to all those homeowners who would, for example, uh, not pay their service charges. And there have been even uh, examples of, uh, many examples, fairly public examples, of where the developers would uh, uh, deactivate access, parking access, for example, mm. to the owners of the properties. In some cases, we've heard ca- uh, where developers have deactivated um, elevator access in high-rises uh, for those elevators where th- that require access cards. Um, and or they would uh, cut off uh, electricity or other utilities and so on and so forth or access cards to use facil- common facilities like pool and gym and beach and gardens so there have been numerous examples where developers have used this uh, effective control physical control over the property as leverage to force owners to pay service charges and yet owners didn't have any leverage over the developers in terms of accountability or even transparency uh, in understanding how the service charges are uh, spent one and and also improvement of common facilities too Uh, so uh, at least in theory and the presumption is that in this case with this new law and in particular this clause uh, parties will no longer be allowed to do this because the law clearly makes it illegal. And um, that should bring much better balance into the community. And so this, for sure, uh, will be very positively received by uh, many, many, many owners out there. Another aspect of the law is it will also seek to clearly define common areas and amenities as well in buildings. Yes, and that is something that's actually a much bigger undertaking that uh, some may expect. And this is because there are so many types of jointly owned properties here. Mm. And uh, for years, um, it wasn't necessarily clear as to which parts of which parts and which facilities of these um, jointly owned uh, communities uh, were owned by whom. So, for example, let's say if you have a building it's a little easier uh, to identify just a a standalone building, but a high rise building, for example, that has many uh, individual owners um, and but yet it it has elevators and um, landings and reception and lobby and all the sort of internal infrastructure obviously that all that is some has some common element to it Uh, but yet it's still just one single building so in that case a little easier to identify who owns what uh, so owners own this, the individual units and then everything else is sort of owned jointly and uh, in proportion to, I guess, their interest in, in the building. Um, so that's a little easier case. But what if you have a community where you have, it's 
uh, it's a closed off community where you have and apartments and villas and hotel and uh, a pool and gardens and and gym and then restaurant uh, and um, any other type of um, um, you know, maybe uh, landings or sort of outdoor space. Uh, so the question there is to who owns all that? Who mm -hmm. owns the restaurant, for example? Mm -hmm. And do the owners, individual owners, do they have interest in that restaurant? Uh, and the, what, what about the hotel? Does the hotel have any kind of interest in, in the restaurant or the pool? And so on and so forth. So who the, the ownership of these um, commonly owned properties or even identifying what was common, what was not, uh, was has been a work in progress. And that's because Dubai obviously grew very fast and uh, perhaps a few anticipated this um, great success for it. And as a result, a lot of these elements were not properly squared away. And I will tell you, even if you look back at the original contracts, uh, sales and purchase agreements, uh, they would uh, most of them would refer to all sorts of annexes uh, for the master plan community for uh, for sort of declarations of, of the community and so they would be they would refer to uh, annexes but those annexes were often not attached and that's because is even as of that time uh, it wasn't quite clarified as to um, to the respective rights and and um, interest in the various um, aspects of a jointly owned association or a community or a property. Uh, so with the introduction of this law, the expectation is that by at this point now, in the next uh, hopefully sort of foreseeable future, all these uh, communities will have a better plan, a blueprint uh, of what's what, what's what and who owns what and what interest uh, perhaps is owned by whom. Um, so yes, that's an extreme, extremely important element. It's nothing that is necessarily new to this law, but the expectation now is that the the, uh, the licensing authorities have enough data uh, to have uh, processed it, and that now all the parties and all the stakeholders uh, will, in fact, be uh, forced to come forward, to come together, and finally finalize all the um, sort of the the loose ends of the master communities. It's a move that effectively clearly defines a developer's role in common uh, properties, which has, as you pointed out, has historically been uh, something of a grey area in some ways. It's a real, excuse the pun, concrete uh, development, Ludmilla, because it puts RERA in charge, doesn't it? If I can quote for a second, the real estate regulatory agency RERA will regulate the management of joint ownership oversee real estate developers and conduct inspections on the operation, management, maintenance and repair of jointly owned properties and their common areas and facilities. So it really clears uh, the way. Well, indeed, uh, although in the past RERA and, and it's a related, it's related entity DLD or Dubai Land Department, hmm. they were involved with all the jointly owned properties in the sense of at least um, setting and, and regulating service charges, they were not in charge. So yeah. they were involved, yeah. but they were not in charge of regulating and managing these communities or overseeing the management of these communities. Uh, the, effectively, the parties that were in charge, as you rightfully said, were developers. Mm. Even though the law um, had a different provision in place, but in practice it was de the developers. So now that is being that control uh, by the introduction of this law, that control is being taken away from the developers and given to RERA. Uh, which obviously is a government authority, so the presumption is that there'll be a neutral and objective body uh, that 
obviously is is very experienced um, because it's very uh, essence is um, sort of controlling and managing real estate. Um, so it will be neutral and it will be experienced uh, body that will from now on manage the jointly owned properties and um, uh, in particular it will also in addition to the service charges for example and managing the MOLAC account or the service charge account it will also license uh, the uh, management bodies and these are the management bodies that are now replacing homeowners associations. And um, RIRA, once again, will be responsible for, uh, for licensing and management of, um, of, of those entities. I've also read that the law implicitly states that real estate developers are responsible for damage to a property for the first 10 years of a development as well. I mean, that's not a new concept, of course, that was clearly already here, but it is akin to, I suppose, a builder's guarantee, isn't it, uh, legally speaking? Uh, for sure. So in other, in other terms, it could be called as construction defect. Yeah. Um, uh, statute of limitation and in the fact that that provision is mentioned in this law is um, is very helpful as you said there are other federal laws that um, uh, that, that um, ad have always addressed that uh, as a requirement uh, for developers but it wasn't so specifically stated in the real estate law uh, and so now the fact that it's here and it's accessible and it's very easy for any investors to refer back to this one body of law versus trying to piecemeal different laws to try to prove to the developers that they're responsible for certain construction defects, uh, this will be very helpful for, for many. Uh, because, uh, as is often the case with uh, with new properties, and this is perhaps why this law exists, not only here but in other countries, uh, and that is that there are all sorts of growing pains when the building is first uh, released on the market. Um, so there is now a clear provision that uh, makes it an obligation for the developers to continue to be responsible for any construction defects and sort of structural problems uh, for the with the properties for the next 10 years after uh, after handover. Can I ask you to speculate for a moment? I hate doing this with you, but the, your perspective is uh, uniquely UAE real estate and local, particularly Dubai. But what are the impact on the property market here? The market's down just now. What kind of effect might a law like this have, would you say? Well, there are different angles to it. One angle, I can foresee a positive angle, and that is that um, there have been many grievances of the last many years uh, that the buildings have not been improved or uh, certain facilities are being dated. And uh, obviously, as time goes on, uh, there's the wear, the normal wear and tear, but yet, uh, though the service fees have historically been considered to be quite high in a lot of developments, uh, residents and owners believe that the quality of the upkeep and the quality of the management maintenance did not correspond with the amount of service fees that they paid. And there was not much they could do about it in terms of um, calling the developers uh, to task and uh, and, and having some visibility to, visibility to the books and the accounting as to how you know, why the service charges were what they were and why were they not being reflected in the way that uh, investors or owners expected. Uh, so with the introduction of the Smolak system, I could see where now uh, owners will not no longer have to worry about withholding the service charges, for example, uh, being abused or used against them. Uh, by developers by cutting off their services. So now there is, uh, I can see that owners can still, you know, be, there's, there's a better system for them to pay into where they don't need to necessarily question 
the use of these funds and um, because they no longer will be going to the developer's account, they'll be held into a specialized account. So I could see how many owners may have better comfort, uh, one, in terms of uh, paying the service fees. And obviously, if you pay service fees, if everybody pays service fees timely, then the um, the management body will have uh, better funding and more timely funding to address the various concerns uh, with the property. And that was also one of the complaints that developers have had, is that because when owners don't pay the service charges, the, the developers don't have enough money to to carry on the upkeep, so it's a kind of a double-edged sword. So I could see how with this Molex system, owners might be more forthcoming uh, to pay uh, the service charges. And also because of that, ironically enough, I think that many of them, even though now they know they will not necessarily be penalized for withholding the payment of service charges, that they may not want to withhold only because they now know it goes into a more neutral account. Uh, so I think that's very helpful. And um, with regards to uh, RIRA now taking control over the, uh, the, the jointly owned communities, I think that's, um, uh, that's helpful because it's now taking developers out of the equation and uh, at least in theory appointing a more neutral body, supervising and managing. Uh, so I could see how that is also perhaps more um, gives would, would give investors more confidence, and then three the um, the visibility this the registrar the registry of all the jointly owned properties and all the details that will be at least in in the future available to the greater community about um, um, the the various you know, all, all the properties that are on the market and the respective service charges and perhaps uh, uh, certain, I think also one of the other elements uh, or in the database will be listing out all the facilities that these jointly owned properties will have and um, clarity as to which part of, of, of those communities is owned by whom, I think also will give a lot more clarity and therefore confidence. Uh, so overall, I think it's a, it's, it certainly is a huge improvement and a very positive development. And uh, as time goes on, I can see uh, the many positive effects as a result of this law. Ludmilla Yamalova is the managing partner of the Dubai-based law firm Yamalova and Plethka. As ever, Ludmilla, really appreciate your time. Always a pleasure, Tim. Thank you very much. That's another episode of Logical, this time considering the common properties law. That's number six of 2019. We can't cover every aspect of the UAE's legal framework in each episode of this podcast, but if there's a legal uh, issue you'd like an answer to, get in touch via lylawyers.com or via any of the social channels, and we'll try to answer it for you in a future episode. For a legal consultation, hit contact at lylawyers.com or WhatsApp direct 0097152 525 1611.